abolition. Abolition. It's uncomfortable for Republicans to talk about race. And in their attempt to not be held accountable for the historical implications of racism in this country is just unfathomable. I spoke on the floor today because the House sponsor said in his debates on this bill that an anonymous young white girl felt trauma because she felt like an oppressor based on the history of white America and what we've done regarding slavery. And while I don't want any child to feel any sort of trauma, I took this opportunity to bring to light the trauma that black people feel living in America. Black children grow up knowing their whole American history, that the majority of the American history that we live today is of black people being slaves. Or that more recently, our grandparents' whole lives were living through the civil rights movement where they had to drink from colored water fountains, where they couldn't vote, where they were being lynched, where they were being killed, where they were being denied housing, food, and other basic necessities. And most importantly, our whole criminal justice system in America was built on the oppression and the systematic criminalization of black people. So no, we can't just scapegoat or whitewash history so those white Americans now don't have to feel the the, the repercussions of 400 plus years of enslavement and what that's done to a disadvantaged population such as mine. What we have to do is have these conversations in educational settings to bring context to our students so that we can remember what happened in American history so we won't repeat the horrible things that happened in American history. And my comment, my colleagues' comments today brings light to the fact that we need to continue to teach about the history of America regarding racism because he was actually incorrect. The three-fifths compromise was created so that Southern states can have more representation in Congress. So they counted three per five slaves. They counted them as three persons. So we obviously need to continue to talk about race because the Republicans are not even clear on what the issues of the three-fifths compromise or other racism issues in America are. And they had the audacity to clap for it, and it was wrong. So we have a problem here, and the fact that we're trying to change laws in order to not have a conversation about race is just wrong, and it's downright offensive.
Abolition. You just heard Tennessee State Representative London Lamar breaking down why you need to teach black history. And that was followed up by V. Bozeman, Race Jones. Peace and welcome to Abolition Today. We are back. We are back. I know y'all missed us, but we're back. And Abolition Today is a weekly syndicated online radio program with a specific focus on modern slavery as it is practiced through the 13th Amendment of the U.S. Constitution and by for-profit prisons worldwide. We air live every Sunday, except for when we're not here, at, at 7 p.m. Eastern, 6 Central, 5 Mountain, and 4 Pacific. Live streams and archive podcasts are available at abolitiontoday.org and on all major streaming platforms. My name is Yusuf Hassan. Glad to be back in the building. And I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Max Parthas. Peace, Max. I missed you, brother. Uh, ditto, brother Yusuf. I'm here at the Paul Cuffey Abolitionist Center in Sumter, South Carolina, and I was already black as hell, then go and act even blacker. <laughs> Isn't that what she said? <laughs> that's what she said. Uh-huh. And that's what we get in the night. That's it. So we've been away for a few weeks, and but during that time we replayed some of our uh, great episodes. Every episode is great, but some particular ones, uh, Sincere Ignorance and Conscientious Stupidity, the Blind Men and the Elephant, and Badges and Incidents of Slavery. And the stats show that a lot of listeners tuned in, so we thank you for your continued support even while we're away. But in this episode, yeah, we're bringing it this week. We're bringing it. In this episode, we're all black everything. We're playing music about being black. We talk about black issues. Highlight systemic racism against black lives. We'll discuss black history. And we do it all unapologetically black. In the past few months, we've gotten some complaints that we focus too much on black people. On social media, we've been accused of conspiring to hide black criminality. Well, this episode is for you. If it pisses you off, so be it. Blame Max. He chose to do this episode, but blame me too because I co-signed it. In a nation where you can't even say those words, black people, choosing people of color instead, or talk about issues exclusive to descendants of the diaspora without showing an often non-existent intersectionality and some kind of oppression Olympics, we're about to black out on your ass. Of course, we're going to bring the voice of a black abolitionist back to life for a new generation and our Bridging the Gap segment. So before we jump into tonight's topic, Max, 
I know you have a lot of updates, bro. I didn't do anything but just lay on my back and read books for three weeks. But you did a lot while we were away. So bring us up to date, brother, please. Well, first I want to give a shout-out to Representative London Lamar, who has been at the forefront of a lot of these conversations. She assisted in getting the bus that was in the Capitol there in Tennessee of the founder of the Ku Klux Klan out. Um, She participated in uh, the effort to remove the exception clause for slavery from the state constitution. Uh, So big shout out to her. You know, she was talking about that story about this, what the uh, senator said about this anonymous little white girl who felt like an oppressor. And it was making me, when she was talking, I was hearing Jill Scott singing at the Essence Festival in my head because it was the same thing she was saying. You know what I mean? Right. Um, And talking about the Republicans, basically, uh, it's not just the Republicans, but there's a lot of racism deniers out there. They either deny it exists completely, which is what has recently happened with the SCOTUS's decision on affirmative action in regards to Ivy League colleges, where they're basically saying racism is over. You don't need no help no more. Uh, We're Mm post-racism now. And that's the type of attitude a lot of them have. Like, they can't see uh, their hand in front of their face. They look about them, and they don't see none of these things going on, and it's complete denial. So shout out to her. Specifically have to deal with a state that has anti-critical race theory laws on the books when the critical race theory wasn't even being taught in the uh, great in, in the um, grammar schools or even in the high schools. Like they didn't even know right. what they were talking about, but they made a law to stop it. And it felt a lot, it feels a lot like the gag rules of the 1840s and 50s when you weren't even allowed to talk about ending slavery in the halls of Congress or the Senate. It was against the law to even talk about it. And here we are back in that same thing again. And also, uh, V. Bozeman and Race Jones, that's something that Tribal Rain turned me on to. She kills it. I love it. And the video the video is awesome. This video is real awesome. So if you get a chance, check out the video of Race Jones. Like I said, man, you we were already black as hell. And then you go around, go and act even blacker. And that's what we're doing here tonight. Uh, but before we get into that, I do want to give some updates. Uh, there's a few mm-hmm. trips that uh, we made on behalf of the ASNN and efforts to end slavery across the country. So we went out to Kentucky uh, for about a week, uh, worked with the organizers on the ground out there, uh, Sister Pat Gailey, and also mm-hmm. did workshops with the Quakers. So I was at Berea College, which is a college that was uh, originally created in the 1800s, along with the town, to be an interracial college, allowing black and white people to go to the same university. It's got a very rich history, and it's still doing the same thing. So I did a, work, a few workshops there, and we talked a lot with the people there, and abolition was on the tongue of everybody in this Quaker community. And that's really cool, because you know I've been working like 15 years to get the Quakers on board again, because I believed it was time for the old allies to come together. And we've been right. doing that. And the Quakers are, are, I wouldn't say they're behind us 100%, but the vast majority of them are in agreement and doing what they can to help. Like Pat Gailey, who is, uh, I guess, the liaison for the ASNN in Kentucky. Uh, I talked right. to some of the political leaders there. I talked to some of the uh, leaders on the ground. 
Um, and I spoke with some of the religious leaders outside of the Quaker community and the Christian community, which is basically right across the street from um, Berea College. And it all was very positive. Everybody seemed to be in agreement and on board. Uh, the only problem is in Kentucky, they have a uh, scorched earth policy going on, which is reminiscent of what's happening across most of the country. Anything that seems to be a plus for Democrats is burnt to the ground. It doesn't matter what it's for. Uh, and the Democrats are doing the same thing. But right now, right. Like, Kentucky is a red state. Um, and even their black attorney general is a big problem. He's a lot like Tim Scott over here in South Carolina. Uh, wow. Yeah. So they've got some issues to deal with. Uh, and it's difficult getting our bill through because Kentucky is one of those rare states that only allow two constitutional amendments per session. And this year they're working on the amendment that will restore voting rights to the formerly incarcerated. And so they feel like this would be in competition with that. And we're like, no, this would actually complement that. Because the yeah. reason that they don't get the vote is because their rights have been taken from them through your exception clause. So when you're duly convicted, you're subject to slavery and involuntary servitude. And the status of slavery means that they don't, you don't have any rights. You're civilly dead now. So you only have what they allow you to have. And that goes on beyond your incarceration because there's no way to get out of it. According to, to the Constitution, once you've gone through that door, there's nothing that takes you out of it. Uh, you, you have to have special laws to no longer be subject to this 13th Amendment even after you paid your dues. And it's the reason why a lot of people can't vote. So that happened. Um, also stopped and took a trip in Tennessee and visited the uh, African American Music Museum. <laughs> that was uh, pretty cool, man. It was pretty cool seeing all of the different things applying uh, to the experience of the African American through music. We There was a film they showed, a lot of interactive uh, devices uh, where you could, you know, just explore different genres and different um, generations and different artists. It was pretty spectacular. Uh, went out there with Sister Sharon Smith uh, and a few okay. friends. It was pretty awesome. And then when we got back here, <laughs> we hit the ground running with the ASNN, and we've got two more states on board now that have added right. to uh, that want to remove their exception clauses from their state constitution or provide anti-slavery language to protect their citizens, and that's. New Hampshire, and Wisconsin. So we've got 15 states now with campaigns to end slavery in the state, active campaigns. Um, and that's on top of the eight states that are already finished. Uh, so we did a lot of meetings with them, uh, bringing them on board. Of course, she was at a couple of those, like the state operations meetings, working towards getting grants for the states so that they could have the resources they need to put on a proper campaign. And we're even right. about to start a new experiment that we haven't had the chance to do, but might be the answer to a lot of our problems. Um, when we put these bills in, often we're faced with certain incidents that prevent us from moving forward at all. And one of those is the uh, chairman committee leads or the Senate presidents who get to decide what bills are heard in committee and what, you know, in hearings. 
and they simply mm-hmm. don't choose ours. Just like that. Like they they stand in the way as gatekeepers, like Ice Cube said, not even mm-hmm. allowing these bills to end slavery in their states to be heard in committee, meaning they're not moving forward through anything. And these are like little pharaohs standing here in the way. Like they've got complete control over what the citizens get to vote for and what they don't get. And so we're going to experiment starting with Michigan on uh, signature runs. So there's certain loopholes in various states' constitutions where if you you can either go through the Senate and hearings and the Congress, or you could just get enough signatures. And if you get enough signatures and you submit them uh, to the uh, chairman, then that particular bill will go on the ballot to be voted on. So we're going to give that a shot. Exactly. I, I believe that if we take it out of the hands of the legislators and put it in the hands of the people, we're always going to win. Right. Because, right. you know, in the states that we have abolished slavery, we've seen it happen where people who didn't know slavery was still legal. They, they found out that very moment at the ballot box when they read the amendment that had to be voted on, and they voted yes. So, you know, they don't even need to be educated about it as long as the ballot is clear about what it's doing that moment comes and they will vote yes. So I believe the same thing with signatures will occur. So that has been my past three weeks is uh, working to organize the states, bringing new states on board, speaking with the leaders and at every level uh, in these states, and uh, just trying to move this thing forward. It's been a rough year already for us. Uh, we normally don't have any states that are on the ballot for odd years. This year we had one and we lost it and that was Louisiana but we're going to win with that loss <laughs> you know we set per, we set some boundaries Louisiana was trying right. to hustle us uh, they wanted to have what would effectively be just a symbolic gesture that didn't actually do anything and we wanted to end involuntary servitude in that state uh, so apparently as you already know the Senate voted what was it 20, 23 to 16 pass our bill. But we'll be back next year uh, uh, with a new strategy. We might have to do that signature thing that we're doing in Michigan. Yeah, I agree. I agree because we've gone, I think this has been three times that they've tried in Louisiana so far, and it's always ended with the same result, so to speak. Although it was the issue with the ballot last year, or the language of the ballot, but in essence, they still were trying to put in an exception on top of that anyway within the language. That's what confused it. So, yeah, we do have to switch up. You know, a few of our organizers in Louisiana got burnout and depression from losing. It was two times we've been through this that we we haven't been able to get it done. You know, and I keep thinking, when things like that happen, First of all, I've been involved in a lot more losses than wins in this fight. You know what I mean? So I know what it feels like to lose after you put a year or two years of effort in in thousands of dollars and hours and hours of time into something. I know what that feels like. But at the same time, I remember our ancestors. And if I was to go to uh, Harriet or Frederick and say, hey, listen, we tried twice in Louisiana. We couldn't get it done. So we're going to give up. You know, they would probably look at me like I was stupid. <laughs> you exactly. Know I mean? You know, so that's how I look at it. Like, we're we going to keep fighting. They know one battle going to decide this war. Slavery's got to end. And if we have to do a two, three, four, five, 
10 times, eventually we're going to get it through. And that's all that matters. And they've had a 158-year head start. Right. <laughs> you know, when Actually, it more than that. that. 13th Amendment. Yeah, more than that, but we're just counting from the 13th Amendment. So, you know, what led up to this program, um, I reached out to Yusuf on Tuesday because, you know, I, we don't randomly or I don't randomly do things. So the audios that you heard over the past three weeks were things that I felt that we needed to share with our audience now because they're important now. These things are happening right now. So, for instance, the badges and incidents of slavery, we need to revisit that because a lot of people are talking about it. Back in 2021, we made that the uh, theme of the whole year, and we brought it to a lot of people's attention, and now they're using it, and we need to clear it up even more for them. What is these badges and incidents of slavery? And the same thing with the episode about the blind men and elephants. You know, most people don't know or don't realize that there isn't just one single narrative about dealing with the criminal justice system. You know what I mean? Like, and they're not right. all on the same page. So you, if you pick in one, you're denying another. Uh, so we showed the differences between that. And I think that educational opportunity was something they need to have. And of course, uh, sincere, sincere ignor- ignorance and uh, what is it? Sincere ignorance and, Conscientious stupidity stupidity from Martin Luther King Jr. saying that nothing is more dangerous than that. And to reiterate reiterate back to the opening audio, that's what's happening with a lot of the people out there, particularly those in red states, sincere ignorance and conscientious stupidity. They think they're doing the right thing, Uh, but the road to hell is uh, paved with good intentions. You know? Yeah, exactly. And you know, we've had people come on the air and tell us one of the biggest turnoffs, one of two biggest turnoffs about our show is that we talk a lot about black people, um, first of all, and then we use the word slavery, which is very sensitive. It upsets people when you hear the word slavery, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm, I'm like, you know, if you read the Constitution, that's what the Constitution calls it. Well, they the call Constitution it. calls it slavery, and that's what we're calling it because that's actually what it is. And if you're more upset about the word than you are about the actual act of slavery, the crime of slavery, then the problem isn't with us, it's with you. And, of course, we're both black men, (laughs) you know, with black families and black children. We have lived a black life uh, with black uh, spouses and girlfriends and uh, black descendants. uh, And, yeah, I mean... What do you think we're supposed to talk about out here? Should we act like we're not a part of this uh, hundreds of years of oppression? We have been subject to it personally. Like Yusuf Hassan was never in Rikers Island living that life. Like Max Parkins didn't lose two of his sons to this damn justice system and about to lose a third. Like this affects us personally every single day for every day of our lives. And will continue to affect our families. So, yes, we're going to talk about black. We're going to champion black. We always try to be as inclusive as possible. But today, it's all about black people. And I've even had some people accuse me of trying to hide black criminality. You know, I consciously do not try to feed the machine when it comes to the criminalization of black people. I do that on purpose. And that's because these white controlled media 
that bombard you every day with black criminality do not need my damn help. And I'm not going right. to help them. You know, they, they're doing a job, the job well enough for themselves. I don't need to point out every single crime that a black person does because you know how they do us when we say these things. For white people, if you commit a crime, it's just a crime, and you don't represent all white people. But when black people right. commit a crime, all black people across the country got to pay for it. We all guilty. We all associates. It's all our fault. And the first things they start asking is, where's your daddy? Where's your parents? Who's taking care of these people? Who's raising these people? They don't never ask that about the white guys or the white girls. But for us, that's what we hear all the time. We get hit with guilt by association immediately. So, no, I'm not going to do that. And if you don't like it, uh, on June 27th of 2024, I will reserve a national FU day, FU you. <laughs> go, on, Mac. I'm, I'm just letting you go because you know I just have one thing to say when I come in. What's that? I'm black, y'all, and I'm black, y'all, and I'm blacker than black, and I'm black, y'all, and I'm black, y'all, and I'm black, y'all, and I'm blacker than black, and I'm black, y'all. I'm black, blacker than black, black, I'm blacker than black, yo, because I'm black and I'm black. And you know, you ain't That's kidding it. either. You a dark, dark skinned brother. You, you, you know, you know black there's jokes. no confusion how people <laughs> confuse you with being white sometimes, and that really blows I know. my mind. <laughs> I'm, I'm. When it comes to the black community, it's uh, from chalk to charcoal. Uh, so, you know, what's Adam Clayton Powell Jr., who defined black power, was as light as I am. Right. Malcolm X was a light-skinned black man. You know what I mean? So we go from Detroit chalk right. to charcoal. Right. Uh, black is more of a culture. There's really no such thing as a race of black people. There's no Blacklandia that we all come from. There's no such thing right. as a race of white people. These are things that were created in order to justify slavery and genocide against Africans and indigenous people. So it had what they call the uh, racist uh, science. Um, so it has no yeah, in reality. Eugenics, right? It has no roots in reality. But racism does have a real effect. And that's when you practice what you believe. If you believe that black people are inferior, that's how you're going to act in your everyday life, including when you're interacting with black people, particularly if you're in positions of power where you can affect their forward movement. And? Well, we got a lot of shit to talk about it. today, man. Yeah. So let's start off by focusing on some of the things that have affected black people specifically over the years. I put together a nice little Max Mix called Just Black. Uh, and on it, you're going to hear speakers, uh, including Vice President Harris, uh, Tom Hartman, and Dr. Rashad Ritchie. And I believe if you haven't heard this already, you're going to learn some things that you didn't know at all. You're listening to Abolition Today, abolitiontoday.org with Max Parthas and Yusuf Hassan. We are back after three weeks, and we are back, and we are black, and we'll be right back. Abolition. Abolition. Any policy that will benefit black people will benefit all of society. Let's be clear about that. Let's really be clear about that. 
So I'm not going to sit here and say I'm going to do something that's only going to benefit black people. And concluded, uh, which was the general consensus at the time among a lot of white people in the South, this is again in the 1890s, that black people were genetically inferior. And in 1896, he published a book called Race, Tendencies, and Traits of the American Negro, in which he, pos he lays out all the numbers. And then he concludes that if we simply avoided allowing black people to have any access to health care, that within two or three generations, the whole race would die out, and that would solve the race problem in America. Now, it sounds kind of crazy when I just lay it out like that right now, but this led to a whole bunch of things. And by the 1920s, it was, this was referred to as scientific racism. He was testifying about it before Congress. Uh, when Teddy Roosevelt, 1912, proposed a national health care system, you know, people said no because black people will get it. When Franklin Roosevelt proposed the national health care system, it was the same thing. We don't want black people to get it. When, when uh, Truman tried it in 47, same thing. Don't want black people to get it. Right up until 1965, Senator Stennis, you know, the, the Dixiecrats in the South, was quoting um, Hoffman, uh, who was like, you know, by then dead. But it's still very famous in this, in this field as saying this, you know, we have to figure out a way to keep black people from using Medicare. This is when they were passing Medicare. And the way that they came up with was to have a 20% hole, a gap in Medicare, so that you had to pay 20% of your doctor's bill and your hospital bill, and that would discourage poor black people from showing up at the hospitals. I mean, it, it's really, it was the most shocking thing I discovered, Jenk, when I was doing the research on this book, is that Nearly 100% of the reason why the United States is the only country in the world that doesn't define health care as a right and doesn't have any, any sort of national health care system to speak of is because of racism. So I'm not going to sit here and say I'm going to do something that's only going to benefit black people. A Republican, actually a bunch of them, about 14 total, they hate black folks so much that they are willing to sponsor a bill that if a state, a county, or even a municipality, if they give a penny of money to black people in the guise or under the guise of reparations, it should eliminate all federal funding from ever coming to that entire state forever. I mean, that's some hate. According to Babin's bill, the U.S. government, including the Federal Reserve System and independent agencies, may not provide any loan, any grant, or other form of financial assistance to the government of any state or political subdivision thereof or any agency or instru instrumentality of such a state or political subdivision that enacts into law any program providing reparations on the basis of what? Slavery. Slavery. Or race, or ethnicity, national origin, or historical practices related thereto. Related to what? Slavery. That's it. Just black people. So I'm not going to sit here and say, I'm going to do something that's only going to benefit black people. Nixon administration yeah. official has admitted that the war on drugs is all about throwing black people in jail. He said, quote, the Nixon campaign in 1968 and the Nixon White House after that had two enemies, the anti-war left and black people. You understand what I'm saying? We knew we couldn't make it illegal to be either against the war or black. But by getting the public to associate the hippies with marijuana and blacks with heroin, and then criminalizing both heavily, we could disrupt those communities. We 
could arrest their leaders, raid their homes, break up their meetings, and vilify them night after night on the evening news. Did we know we were lying about the drugs? Of course we did. Abolition. Abolition. You just heard a Max mix entitled Just Black. And you heard within that clip Vice President Harris, Tom Hartman, Dr. Rashad Ritchie, and wow, Max. Uh, well, welcome back to Abolition Today, abolitiontoday.org with Max Parthas and Yusuf Hassan. And we are doing the blackout tonight. And it was just so many things within that clip. Uh, mm-hmm. When I first heard this, it was my first time hearing about the Medicaid, you know, going all the way back to 1912. He was mentioning in there about Teddy Roosevelt. And here we are, you know, 2023, still talking about medical coverage. It was interesting hearing about that, where that whole idea of a copay came from, that it was just really just to keep us out of it, like not to even have medical coverage. For poll taxes. Yeah, poll taxes. The same taxes. thing they exactly. use for poll taxes. Thing. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They figured that most of us are poor at that time, and so poor people can't afford right. to pay this. Right, 20%. I mean, you and I are that not that much difference in, in age, so both of us came up in periods when we were afraid to even go to the hospital or to the doctor. We used a lot right. of home remedies, uh, and the daddy in the house was also the doctor in the house because we simply could not afford to go to these hospitals and doctors. Right. That's right. <laughs> I had so much cod liver oil and uh-huh. onions and sugar and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, keep, and, and and not to mention, you know, my mother would have had to take off from work, and it wasn't like she was going to get paid if she had to take off. Right. I mean, we're still to like that to a degree. We don't have enough health care. Um, I was told when I was at the worst point in my life where I almost died back in 2019 that I had to take certain medication or I would die. And I could not right. afford the medication. Like It was like $600 a month like to do this medication that would keep me from passing away. And the only reason I was able to get it because the community helped me. I didn't have enough money to do it myself. I didn't have the proper health care coverage to be able to cover this medication. So the community came together and bought my damn medication. And that's the reason I'm here with you today. I, I remember. Definitely how can remember. you even do that in a civilized society? Say, you know, we could save your life, but we're going to have to need, we're gonna, we need more than you can provide as a trade. And if it's more than I can provide, guess what the trade means? It ain't going to happen. So the rich get to live and the poor get to die. And that was yeah, the whole I, ideology there. Right. I remember what a comedian one time giving a joke where he was like uh, a person was given six months to live. And uh, what was it? And he, and he was like, uh, Doc, I can't afford to pay that. And he gave him another six months to live, you know, in the joke. But, you know, the undertone of it is, yeah, it's all about the money. But that's a topic mm-hmm. for another time. But just the main uh, fact of they wanted to keep black people from getting it. That's right. Uh, and they were very specific about that. You know, uh, uh, he, he didn't say they didn't want to stop Mexican people from getting it. He didn't say they want to stop Asian people from getting it. That wasn't a problem. 
Specifically, they didn't want black people to have this. And year right. after year, president after president, the argument was the same. And so these kept getting shot down. And to hear this man say in uh, such a clear way that nearly 100% of the reason why this country, the United States of America, does not have a universal health care is because of racism against black people. Damn. Damn. And then when you go into, you know, when you look at uh, uh, (laughs) Kamala Harris is a unique woman because uh, we know she's mixed race. She's uh, part Indian. East Indian, yes, and Jamaican. East Indian, right. And, you know, they only do this with – they did it with her the same thing they did with Obama. And the questions come up about uh, are you going to make laws specifically for black people? Because the question is never going to be asked to a white candidate. Are you going to make laws just for white people? Because we know in America the default is white. It's, it's the default race for everything. When she was running for – uh, president, she was talking about, oh, we're going to put aside $500 billion for black people. Remember that? That was one of her yeah, selling points, that. right? But now that she's in position about power, standing next to what is known as the most powerful man on earth, it's suddenly, are we going? am I going to do something just for black people? Oh, hell no. Uh, because, right. you know, all the rising tide lifts all boats and says, Black people are mostly poor, like half of their the people are black people. Uh, they're mostly incarcerated and mostly this, all of these bad things. It'll lift them up along with everybody else. And I'm not going to focus just on black people. But yet, there's all these laws, there's all this history that did exactly that, focused specifically on black people. Like we were just listening uh, to the thing regarding health care, focused specifically right. on black people. And the same thing about the news clip from Rashad Ritchie, where he was talking about how the Texas Republican Brian Babin introduced the No Bailout for Reparations Act last week, saying if you're a state and you offer reparations to black people or descendants of slaves for slavery, Mm -hmm. you'll never, ever be eligible for any kind of federal uh, assistance at all. Nothing. Like, how much hate do you have for black people that you're going to put a bill out like that? Right. And then also uh, Burgess Owens and Scott Franklin. It was, uh, what was this guy's name that introduced the bill? Babin. Yeah, Brian Babin. And not just him, but several several, uh, other reps signed on with the bill. So it wasn't like this is 14. like some, yeah, it wasn't more. like this is, wasn't mm-hmm. like it was some cuckoo type thing. This was like a united front. Like, yes, we all support this. They even got some black faces up there doing it. <laughs> of course, of course. No bailouts for reparations act. And you can find that article. Uh, the one I have in front of me is from the Fox News channel. 
Texas rep introduces bill to bar federal bailouts of states that implement reparations. And we know that uh, California has a huge reparations bill that's picking up a lot of traction out there. And we know in New York they've passed a bill or the bill is, is getting a lot of traction through legislation for forming the committee to, uh, to, ex- to uh, explore reparations. You know, so they're already thinking in the future. You say, okay, let's throw up a wall. You know, we have our states where we're removing slavery and involuntary servitude. They threw up a wall. Now they're throwing up a wall against reparations as well. Um, You know, I found a couple of things um, that I would use as evidence and submitted to a global court who were prosecuting the people here for crimes against humanity. And, you know, as we do with the audios and stuff like that, we like to let the perpetrators speak in their own voice to tell you what it is they are doing and what their intents are. And Mm -hmm. two of the things, the first one is a document I found from a Senate hearing on April 8th of 1864, one year before the 13th Amendment was ratified by the states. And it's from the Library of Congress, uh, Journal of the Senate of the United States of America, Volume 56. Uh, Let me pull this open here because I want to read this to you. Now, yeah, this is one year. Because it's so old. Yeah, this is one year before the 13th Amendment was uh, ratified by a sufficient number of states to pass it. And they have on page 302 uh, sections starting from section 9 and discussions of what the states can and cannot do. Um, I'm going to give you a couple examples, but it's the conclusion that really nails the. Nails it down hard. So section nine, the regulation and control of the right to labor or service in any of the states south of latitude 3630 is hereby recognized to be exclusive the right of each state within its own limits. And this constitution shall not be altered or amended to impair this right of each state without its consent. So this is a protection for what? For labor or service, right? And you know what type mm-hmm. of labor they're talking about, which is what they really get clear at the end of this. So Section 10 says, no state shall pass any law in any way interfering with or obstructing the recovery of fugitives from justice or from labor or service or any two of this Constitution and all laws in violation of this section may on complaint made by any person or state be declared void by the Supreme Supreme Court of the United States, effectively now allowing uh, fugitive slave laws to be the jurisdiction of the state, and you cannot impugn on that. Section 11, as a right, and remember, they also mentioned labor and service again. Section 11 right. is the right of comedy between the several states south of latitude 3630, the right of transit with persons held to involuntary labor. In this, their words now, Persons held to involuntary labor, just almost like it says right in the Constitution, or service from one state to another shall not be obstructed. So they're saying 
not only can we keep slavery, not only can we keep future slave laws, but if our slave catchers go to your state to collect our property, they shall not be hindered. Section 12, the traffic in slaves with Africa is hereby forever prohibited on pain of death and the forfeiture of all rights and property of persons engaged therein, and the descendants of Africans shall not, I repeat, shall not be citizens. So this, again, one year before the emancipation, you're not going to be a citizen, but we're going to have this law to stop the transatlantic slave trade. And then 13, fugitives from labor or service on request shall have a trial by jury before being returned. In 1864, guess what kind of trial by jury you will be having? You would have 11 white people saying, we're going to own a black ass, and you're going where we said you're going to go. Right. Section 14. You know, actually, I'm not even going to read all of this. You can read it on our website, Abolition Today on Facebook. It'll be right up there. Let me get down to the last few. Section 19. When all of the several states. really drive it right, home. Exactly. When all of the several states shall have abolished slavery, then and thereafter, slavery or involuntary servitude, exactly what it says in the Constitution except as a punishment for crime, shall never be established or tolerated in any state, in any of the states or territories of the United States, and they shall be forever free. That's what we wanted in our Constitution, right? No slavery, no involuntary servitude. They're saying this in 1864, but it's followed by this. The provisions of this article relating to involuntary labor or servitude shall not be altered without the consent of all the states maintaining such servitude. So you can't end it unless the states that got it want it to end, which is what we are doing in real time right now and fighting against states like Louisiana. But they knew exactly what this was for, using those formerly freed slaves as a new way of uh, a new form of slavery that would enrich the states. And we saw it happen during the Reconstruction period with the Jim Crow laws, the Black Codes, the convict leasing. We rebuilt the the damn states that enslaved us. Yusuf? You know, and and, in looking at all of this, and we start thinking about the U.S. Code because they carried it further into the U.S. Code. And when they talk about slavery and involuntary servitude and how all of these things are prohibited, like these prohibited in U.S. code. Like I can read uh, 18 U.S.C. 1584. It says, it makes it unlawful to hold a person in a condition of slavery, that is a condition of compulsory service or labor against his or her will. Conviction requires the victim be held against his or her will by actual force, threats of force, or threats of legal coercion. Section 1584 prohibits compelling a person to work against his or her will by creating a climate of fear through the use of force, the threat of force, or the threat of legal coercion. Whoever knowingly and willfully holds to involuntary servitude or sells into any condition of involuntary servitude any other person for any term or brings within the United States any person so held shall be fined under this title or imprisoned not more than 20 years 
20 home, years. And he goes and he goes on and on and on. And this happens in U.S. prisons, state prisons, every single day. Every day. And this, and this is a violation is one of the example. law. We have many others that you're going to find up on our page. And this comes from... That's from the Department of Justice. Yeah, this is straight from... The, <laughs> right? This is a U.S. Uh, U.S. code. Uh, sec, right. uh, chapter 18, USC... You have uh, 242, 1581, 1584, there is one other thing that I wanted to share, the second of those two that I've mentioned. Uh, and after uh-huh. that, I want to lead us into a, another track. Uh, but the other one okay. is in regards to Senator Charles Sumner of Massachusetts. He was hmm. one of the only people who understood exactly what this exception for slavery would do. Um, he broke down in multiple speeches. And I found an article about it from Senate.gov, from, from the government itself. And the history of it, as well as the modern description, is very telling. So let me read what occurred. It says, when the Judiciary's Committee reported its version of an abolition amendment to the full Senate, Sumner thought it was not strong enough. He had insisted mm-hmm. that any amendment must include a provision that all persons were equal before the law. But few senators were ready to take such a bold step. Making all persons equal before the law, argued one senator, might lead to dangerous consequences, such as providing voting rights to women. Instead, the committee approved more modest language that echoed the Northwest Ordinance of 1787, which itself echoed the Constitution of Vermont, 1777, neither slavery nor involuntary servitude, except as a punishment for crime, whereof the party shall have been duly convicted, shall exist within the United States. And although the statement was less than Sumner had hoped for, he joined his colleagues in voting for the passage of the 13th Amendment in April of 1864. Now, of course, one of the things I want to point out right off the bat is how in the hell do you consider dooming people to slavery and involuntary servitude through a criminal justice system as modest? Can you imagine the millions and millions who have been subject to this amendment since its first initiation in April of 1864? Tens of millions that have been just their lives destroyed because of this language in the Constitution, and that was described as modest language. If that's modest, what the hell is the extreme? Tell me what the extreme is. It's like, does the earth explode? Is that the extreme? <laughs> if this is the modest? Well, well, as the one senator said, providing voting rights to women mm-hmm. might lead to a dangerous, is one of the dangerous consequences of it. Right. Women voting is a dangerous consequence, and that's what it would lead to, equal before the law. 
In the meantime, they already had the Declaration of Independence, which said what? All men are created equal. And then 30 lines later, they started talking about how natives were savages. (laughs) Right. Again, the point is, this was not aimed at Guatemalans. This was not aimed at people who wanted to have uh, same-sex marriages. This was not aimed at Mexicans. It wasn't aimed at women. It wasn't aimed at short people. This was specifically designed from the very beginning to oppress black people and to re-enslave them through the criminal justice system, and every goddamn body knew it. Yusuf? Period. That's what I have to say to that. Period. Exactly what you said. The intentions are clear. The intentions are clear. Like, this is what we've been dealing with for centuries. Um, With that being said, let's go ahead and get on to the next clip. And let me let a a Republican conservative speak for us in this instance. Uh That's Ann Coulter. Uh, We're going to play a little bit of Ann Coulter, and it's going to be followed by Jack Ross, It's Okay to Be Black. You're listening to Abolition Today, abolitiontoday.org with Max Parthas and Yusuf Hassan, and we'll be right black after this. Abolition. The reason people are concerned about the words they use, the reason Americans care about civil rights, the reason we are sensitive to racism is for one issue and one issue only, and that is how black Americans were treated in this country. It is because of of the legacy of slavery and Jim Crow. Those do not compare Irish, you know, the new groups, they always get a little bad treatment. Do not compare that to how blacks are treated in this country. You don't get to piggyback on the black experience in America. You do not get to do that just because you are a woman, an immigrant, gay, um, Hispanic. No, the rest of you can go F yourself. No, this is for black Americans. We seem to have forgotten them. It's not a rainbow coalition. Um, Various groups, feminists, gay rights groups, and and those who are defending immigrants have commandeered the black civil rights experience. What do you mean by that? There is the legacy of slavery and Jim Crow laws. We don't owe the homeless. We don't owe feminists. We don't owe women who are desirous of having abortion. That's what civil rights has become for much of the left. Wait, don't, don't guys understand. Saying, what have we done to the immigrants? We owe black people something. We have a legacy of slavery. Immigrants haven't even been in this country. The black experience is different from any other experience in America. There is slavery. There is Jim Crow. So I really do resent it when people come along and say, well, you can't say the the phrase illegal alien would you use the n-word you can't say retard would you say the n-word you can't say i don't know a million other things they're always comparing it to the n-word so the main point i want to make is no other word is like the n-word and culture for the win ladies and gentlemen nobody saw that coming CNN, Ann Coulter, this is one of the first times I've ever agreed with Ann Coulter on CNN. Mark this down in your calendar. But Ann, you've always felt this way. This isn't new for you, right? It's not only not new for me, this is standard Republican position. Uh, And we're back. (laughs) The world will judge you. But God knows your heart. Black press from past years gon' settle in God is reading the letters that we been mailing in Melanin skin deep, they like to meddle in 
and put they knife to a wound sharp on a metal lens. Metaphorically speaking, I met a world piece. I met a girl who was weeping, it made her pearl cheeks glisten, but no one listened. Her curl kinks covered her brilliant mind. Resilient kind, adapted, chameleon fine. Filling lines with lyrics still couldn't do justice when touching her spirit. Because she functions from an unction, good luck with appearance. The surface ain't just where her worth is, it's her perseverance. Made it work when it didn't, walked the earth with a vengeance. Chocolate Hershey goddess with posture defying the physics. A gravity, how she still laughed when her people were pillaged. But from the steeple and the mountaintop, Jack, she still gonna say it proudly, I'm black. Generation feeling hopeless Looking across my shoulder Keep my eyes open Keep my mind focused Ain't no hocus pocus Cause when it's all said and done They will all know us Trying to bring us down Keep us at our lowest You thought you broke us <laughs> But you woke us Be a leader Not a follower Modern day Moses I'm the water to the seeds That become roses Black and beautiful Black. Head to my cuticle Darkness is what I'm moving through Black. They want my eyes wide shut That's just the usual Black. How have I not died yet? They trying to take my neck And put that shit through a noose Black on black on black Black on black Black my skin is so black Black on crack That's why they gave us crack Now look where we at Once I get some reparation racks Watch how I react Keep that income tax I need 40 acres in the pack Don't know Abolitiontoday.org with Max Parthas and Yusuf Hassan. You were just hearing Ann Coulter break it down. Look, we owe black people, and everybody's experience can't compare to the black experience. And followed up by the great song by Jack Ross, It's Okay to Be Black. You know, uh, <laughs> I was howling and screaming through that track, Max, hearing uh, Ann Coulter, because. Uh, Everything she said was absolutely correct, and it reminded me of Jane Elliott when Jane, the act, uh, anti-racism activist and educator Jane Elliott, she asked the group one time, if you as a white person would like to be treated the way black people are treated in this society, stand up. And nobody in the audience stood up. So they absolutely know what's going on, and that's not to say that 
you know, other people's issues are invalid or anything, but it doesn't compare. You know, like you're talking about a Holocaust. Yeah. Like, when I hear people know? say if Dr. King was here today, he would be supporting us. <laughs> let me not go off on a rant because I feel I felt the rant coming on. So let me stop you know, myself real quick. The 13th Amendment, the 14th Amendment, the 15th Amendment only exists because of the fight of black people against slavery, trying Come to get on. our freedom and equality. The civil rights uh, laws of the 1960s, 4 and 65 only exist because of black people trying to get their freedom right. and equality. And everybody right. else exploits them, and we're still here every year trying to get our freedom and equality, and we ain't got it yet. Not only have they used all of these systems against us specifically, but they continue to do so, which is why I get disgusted when I hear people say stupid shit like nobody in this generation owned people. It's not our fault because of slavery. We had nothing to do with it. And then you go and you invest in private prisons so you can make a few dollars. You get a job as a prison guard so you can feed your family. You become a cop. Uh, you support policies and laws that do more criminalization of black people. And you come to my page asking me to do dumb stuff like criminalize black people even more because they're not criminalized enough. You know, like I'm hiding black criminality. It's crazy, man. I mean, here's another example. Right? Really in 1922, we're talking about after Reconstruction, right? During mm -hmm. uh, the Jim Crow laws, during uh, convict leasing, but after Reconstruction, 1922, Mississippi tried to boot all the black and it was half black, 51% of the people in Mississippi were black at the time, tried to boot them all out of the state and send them to Africa. They even wrote bills proposing it. Uh, they said that the spirit of race consciousness, quote, unquote, uh, they cared about uh, belonging to white people. The goal, according to this article about this book on 60 years after the Civil War, Mississippi legislators were still trying to expel blacks, the Reconstruction era, era, he says that the goal was that our country may become one in blood as it is in spirit. And you know what they mean by one in blood, just white people. And that mm -hmm. the dream of our forefathers may be realized in the final colonization of the American Negro on his native soil. The resolution does not specifically state whether the proposed mass migration would be voluntary. But its use of language like final settlement, the final colonization, and the United States becoming one in blood makes clear the aim was total removal. In 1922, they weren't trying to get rid of the Mexicans. They wasn't trying to get of low-wage people. They wasn't trying to get of all these different groups. They were trying to split the country twice out of the country. Right. We're going to send you back to Africa. We don't care where in Africa. Just go hang from a tree somewhere. You did it here. Right. Right. And then, you know, not shortly before this was even going on, we had Susan B. Anthony telling Frederick Douglass, look, why don't you put that abolition thing down and come over here and support the women's suffrage movement? Yeah. And they had their own beef going on uh, as well, those two. They didn't really 
get back together until the day before Frederick the day Douglass died. died. The day, he, the day right. before he died. The day, he, day before. Yeah. Um, that was when they got back together. Um, because she didn't want black men to vote. She would prefer white women vote than black men right. vote. And that was a big issue with him. Um, it's just amazing. You know, like I said, all these done, things done specifically to black people that haven't been repaired at all. They haven't been recognized at all. Much of it's still going on, like the war on drugs with Nixon, like the Clinton-Biden crime bill of 1994. All of this is still happening, still specifically aimed. It's caught other people in the net, yes, but it wasn't built to catch other people in the net. It was built specifically to aim at black people. What did uh, Biden say? I don't want my kids growing up in a racial jungle. And what did uh, Clinton say, uh, Hillary, Hillary Clinton, uh, that she called them uh, super predators. Super predators that need to be racing. brought to heel. It brought to heel. There wasn't That's talking about with a wild immigrants. You bring a wild animal to heel. <laughs> right. And these are the things that we still are dealing with, even to the point where just last week, the, a judge in Oklahoma decided to dismiss any reparations oh, for the that. Tulsa Race Massacre. Just last week, you know, you massacred people. And then, well, maybe you tell them the story about the dude that had the nerve to stand up and say, no, you can't say this was about race. But, yeah, they decided that uh, the dismiss reparations case for the survivors of the Tulsa race massacre. Imagine that. Yeah. You get that article? All these years. Yeah, it's... Uh... 1921, so 102 years later, they want to whitewash history and say it wasn't about race, just like they want to put in textbooks that slavery was they weren't they weren't enslaved they were migrant workers. They want to just change history, and they literally want to say. The far so the far right superintendent of public instruction thinks that schools should teach students about the Tulsa the who? Uh, massacre so long as teachers don't actually acknowledge that the white supremacist attack was about race. The who he said literally that said that. This who, is who the superintendent. The superintendent. Of- the superintendent of the school system. Ryan Walters. We're going to call him out by name. Ryan Walters. Had the nerve to say that we could talk about it, but we can't talk about it in terms of race uh, because it wasn't racial. It was just coincidental. It just happened to be an all-black town that was prosperous. Uh, That was the only reason why we went in and, you know, murder, rape, killed everybody that we could find. So the reason why for the first time in the history of the United States, uh, a city was bombed from the sky uh, by its own airplanes. Uh, you know, just coincidence. <laughs> right. The denial is so damn deep, man. And you know what they do and all the time is use those token friends of theirs. You know, uh, they point to this. They say, look, uh, we got Tim Scott. Tim Scott's a success story. And if you're not a success story, it's your fault because Tim Scott right. did it. Why should, why can't right. you do it? You know, uh, they'll point at all of these different uh, 
magical Negroes that they pull out of their pockets all the time and say, look at this success story. Look at Oprah. She's six story success story. Right. Look at uh, you know all the basketball players. All you got to do is work hard. You know, there's a quote I read on Twitter from a brother. Uh, his Twitter handle is a brother committed to black liberation and success, and it's at G O I K I G A I L L C. And he said, I find it interesting that the lived experience of my black friend negates the lived experience of millions of black people as documented by thousands of scholars. It is as though we only need one eclipse to deny the sun exists, even when it shines afterwards. That's freaking brilliant right there. That, I mean, he really deep, brought man. it together. That's deep. Yeah, he, he really hit it with that one. Especially when said, even when it shines after. Even when it shines after. Yeah. All you got to do is and have that, one black friend. Yeah. And they're black friends. And I like how he puts it in quotes, too, because it probably is someone that doesn't even exist. My you know, black friend negates the lived experience of millions of black people. Um, like Brother Jack Ross said, it's okay to be black. There's nothing okay wrong for advocating for black issues that affect black people, especially if you're a black person. There's nothing wrong with that. But the problems we run across is the moment you start speaking about black specifically, everybody wants to tune you out. This week's promotions had the less amount of likes and loves that I've seen in all four seasons. Why? Because we're talking only about blacks. <laughs> you know, we're right. not being inclusive. There's no intersectionality here. So why should I have to come uh, and support? Why should I do a love or a like or share it? Because there's nothing in there about me. That's crazy, man. And, and, and what do they do to us? Instead of allowing us to advocate for issues that affect us exclusively, uh, life and death issues, they want to start calling us people of color. So that, you know, includes Asians and Arabs and uh, Hispanic and everybody. Anybody not white is a people of color. So now we just got erased from existence with a damn phrase. We went from colored people to people of color. And when I was at BISC, when I was at BISC, Listening to them say this as leaders of the country's uh, political movements, I was really just so disappointed. Like, how dare you just erase us from existence like that? Just throw us in this bucket with a bunch of other people who has no connection to our experience at all. It's not even comparable. Like Ann Coulter says, get off our crotch. It's not comparable. It's not the same thing. This is a Holocaust we're talking about lasting centuries with people still dying from it today, you know, and they want to throw us in that bucket so that we're silenced. There's no voice for us no more. It, it, it just drives me nuts. It drives me nuts, Jesus. Yeah, and, you know, this, this exclusion of us didn't just start, you know, and I like uh, what uh, as everyone knows, how they just how the Supreme Court allows this Mississippi Jim Crow era voting law to continue. Uh, Justice Contangi uh, Brown Jackson included a pretty damning quote from the president of the 1890s Mississippi Constitutional Convention, and he said, 
We came here to exclude the Negro. Nothing mm. short of this will answer. And that was it's it. still happening. Yeah, this it's still yeah. happening. They want to exclude us and they've erased us by using like you just said, people of color instead of saying black people. Right. You can say black people and other can people you, can, of color. Can you read that line for me one more time? Who was it they oh, were aiming sure. this at specifically? Say it again for the people in the back that can't hear it, who think that it was aimed we at We came them. here to exclude the Negro. The Negro. Nothing short of <clears throat> this will answer. This is the history of the United States. Everything is in black and white. It's not in black and brown and white. It's not in black and red and white. It's not in black and red and yellow and white. None of the five colors that are supposed to be races are involved in this. It's just black and white. Because nobody has on their birth certificate brown. Nobody has on their birth certificate yellow. Nobody has on their right. birth certificate red. That's not a thing. Right. It's black and white. Well, let's go ahead and get into this next track. Because if you was pissed off like I'm pissed off, you'll be even more pissed off. Man, it's the next one is going to have your skin crawling. <laughs> The president of the United States sit there and tell everybody while sitting in front of a, uh, it was like a Zoom meeting with black and Hispanic leaders across the country and tell them that America is doomed because of you. You're listening to Abolition Day, abolitiontoday.org with Max Parthas and Yusuf Hassan, and we are back, and we are black, and we'll be right back after this. Abolition, Abolition. Today. This country is doomed. It is doomed, not just because of African Americans, but because by 2040, this country is going to be minority white European. You hear me? Minority white European. And you guys are going to have to start working more with Hispanics, who make up a larger portion of the population than you all do, in terms of raw numbers. We're going to have to be working with a whole group of people that, in fact, black. are the single most diverse democracy black, in black, American black. history and anywhere in the world. Black on black, black, yeah, hey, okay, black, 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 black on black, black, my thoughts so black, black, black on black, my skin is so black, I'm rocking that black on black, it's black. Black rims on black. this black wheels and this black wheel, put this black gear, so black on black on black on black on black, 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 black on black. Black, 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 black
revolution. I'm with a new young queen and some illegal aliens. I got a black fist barred up and it ain't just me, it's all us. 400 years of oppression, I'm about to give me that black Tesla. Black skid marks on the pavement, cops want to see me in a black cage. Black on black on black, Master Juba with the tap dance. Gucci with the dapper dance, tell them kiss my black ass. Riding on a dino with the black mags, just another black man trying to stay about the cash. Yeah, black don't crack, matter of fact, where the fuck are 40 acres that we black on black on black on black on black 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 on black black my skin so black 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 on black my skin is so black I'm rocking that black on black is black rims on these black
not just because of the black people, but because of all you non-white people are going to be the majority. And that's the end of America. We finished with America. This is Negro Pia now. Right. <laughs> you know? I don't even know what to say. You know what? Let's go ahead and open up the lines for at least one or two calls. But let me tell you something. Don't come in here start no trouble, or I'm going to go straight black on you. You feel me? This, this ain't the episode point. <laughs> Just letting you know. This ain't the episode point. This ain't the episode point. No nonsense. All right? So if you uh, want to ask a question, make a comment, press uh, one on your keypad so that it puts you in the queue. And the number to call in is 515-605-9814. I'm going to give a quick shout out to some of our people from the Abolish Slavery National Network across the country who were just featured in a short documentary from Script News. Uh, That includes Savannah Eldridge, who was uh, our former leader of the ASNN, lead organizer for the ASNN, now an administration member. Uh, Also, Sister Gina Kenny out in Ohio uh, was represented Mm -hmm. in the film. Um, Brother uh, Samuel 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 Brown uh, was, Mm -hmm. was in the film as well. And there's one other person. Who am I missing, Yusuf? I'm, I'm at a loss, too. Well, we had a lot of ASNN reps in that documentary. Well, we definitely right and, there. And they even gave us a shout-out uh, explaining about what the, the work that we're doing to abolish slavery and involuntary servitude across the country. Uh, they focus uh, specifically on breaking the cycle, redefining incarceration and reentry in America, the race. And that's from Script News. So shout out to all of the people from the ASNN who participated in that. You know, it's hard not to turn your head and see one of us now. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Like, we everywhere. We everywhere. You can't be talking to nonsense online. Somebody from the ASNN would be like, what? <laughs> <laughs> you you, you got to love it, man. You gotta lo- I see it happening all across <laughs> social media. When people start talking about when slavery ended, <laughs> and right on point, here comes somebody will say, "Hold up, yeah. man!" <laughs> you know, they, they got the, this the, one guy so good. The other day, he had to turn off his comments. <laughs> <laughs> they had to I turn said, off yeah, their comments. I didn't say a word. I I just sat back and watched. I didn't even say a word. I was like, "Yeah, people have been listening. They're catching on. They're catching you know, on." They they they, they got to catch on quicker though. We got to get this thing done, man, and soon. Because every moment that passes is a loss of life, freedom, and wealth happening, just siphoning it off the blood and the treasure and the freedom off every single day. Uh, like recently, when I say recently, I mean like just a few days ago. The attorney general out in New Jersey released a report on white supremacy in New Jersey, saying it's on the uptick. And that black people ought to be concerned and, you know, uh, keep the head on a swivel and watch the back because these violent people could just go killing us like they did in Buffalo. Uh, It's amazing. In 2023, you got to walk in fear of white supremacists allowed to operate in the open. And the best you can get is an attorney general saying, watch out. Yeah, because when you have uh, senators like uh, Tuberville talking about white supremacists are not racist, 
So then that's like a ticket for them to say, every time someone says something like that, that gets them more and more emboldened to say, let's come out in the open. We got senators saying that we're not racist. Tuberville is the same guy that stood out in public at one of these rallies for Trump talking about how we shouldn't pay uh, reparations to these criminals. <laughs> like They just call all right. black people criminals. And said so that's why they they don't deserve reparations because they're criminals, and this dude still has a job, and the, being paid still has a job. the taxpayers' money, when you can stand out in public and talk about how all black people are criminals, that's why you shouldn't pay them no reparations at all. They don't deserve nothing because they are criminals, and what's happening in the to the inmates who are inside the prisons at this time, who whether you're guilty of a crime or innocent of a crime, are still subject to the same exception clause that dehumanizes you. What's happening to them? Well, in Texas, people are literally dying mm-hmm. of freaking heat. You know, there's a heat wave. I, I remember yesterday was talking about we're in uh, Death Valley, and it's 120 degrees, and it feels like 130 degrees. Well, in Texas, it's the same way inside these hot boxes, and people are dying in all these southern states from heat-induced uh, deaths. Uh, one guy was mowing for the uh, for the prison industry, mowing the grass out in the prison after they had just, I don't know if it was a law or a policy, but apparently they weren't going to just stop and give them water anymore. That was something that was taken off the table. And this dude, worked, they worked him to death. He died of heat exhaustion while mowing the freaking grass in the prison in Texas. And the Marshall Project's uh, put out an article saying that what they're doing is they're cooking them to death. The lethal right. toll of hot prisons. Like, could you imagine being in one of those steel cells, steel and cement with no air conditioning, no fans, no nothing, and you're just boiling, cooking 120 degrees, 130 degrees. And, you know, not everybody in prisons are murderers and rapists. You got people down there that have, uh, it's the third strike, or they're in there for a few years for robbery or tax evasion, whatever it may be, they're all being subject to the same Eighth Amendment violation of cruel and unusual punishment in these prisons. And nobody right. seems to give a damn. Cook to death. Cook to death. Cook to death. Just and, think and about work that. to death. Yeah. It reminds me of the Florida case with the brother out there that was cooked to death in the shower. Remember the hot shower about 10 right. years ago? Um, and there was a book written on about how to get away with murder, I think, or something was the title. Um, and what had occurred was two prison guards, uh, because the guy refused to work, put him in a hot shower, turned on just a hot water, and burned him to death. His skin fell off his body. That's how hot the water was. The skin peeled right off of his body. And that was how he died. He was boiled to death by prison guards, and they got away with it. And that's what we're dealing with now. Instead of prison guards and hot water, they're just using nature, the sun, and a steel box. Put something in a steel box. If you put a cast iron uh, pot out on the road in one of these southern states right now, you'll be able to cook food in it. All you got to do is let it okay. sit there for about 20 minutes, and you can cook some food in it. And that's exactly what's happening to human beings in prisons right now. And 
in Texas. So be frank for justice and Texas Prisons Community Associates, TPCA, will be hosting the 85 to Stay Alive Unity Rally this coming Tuesday, July 18th at 10 a.m. Central Time. They're asking formerly incarcerated individuals, their families, advocates, organizations, and concerned citizens to convene at the Capitol, that's in Austin, Texas, for a press conference in support of incarcerated persons battling excessive heat conditions in the Texas Department of Criminal Injustice, as I would say. And this is for Nelson Mandela Day. Uh, July 18th has been uh, internationally declared by the United Nations as Mandela Day. This was established back in 2009. National Day of Action, yep. National Day of Action in recognition of the former South, South African president, contribution to the culture of peace and freedom. Uh, this is Resolution A, Res 6413, recognizes Mandela's values and his dedication to the service of humanity in conflict resolutions, race resolu- uh, relations, promotion and protection of human rights, reconciliation, gender equality, and the rights of children and other vulnerable groups, the fight against poverty, promotion of social justice. This resolution acknowledges its contribution to the struggle for democracy internationally and the promotion of a culture of peace throughout the world. The UN website says that every year is marked as Nelson Mandela International Day. They invite us to make a difference in our communities. Everyone has the ability and the responsibility to change the world for the better. Mandela Day is an occasion for all to take action and inspire change. So definitely if you're in the Austin, Texas area or you're in Texas in general, whether or not you have a loved one incarcerated within the Texas Department of Criminal Injustice, this is appealing to your humanity. Come out in support of this event. Again, it's at the uh, Texas State Capitol in Austin. It's the 85 to Stay Alive Unity Rally, Tuesday, July 18th at 10 a.m. Central Time. And one other thing, Max, we got to shout out Yusuf Salam, man. Yes. Councilman Yusuf Salam. Like, what an amazing, amazing turnaround. For those who don't recall, Yusuf Salam is one of the exonerated Central Park Five. He recently won a Democratic primary seat on the New York City Council, City Council. It's just amazing, mm-hmm. just, uh, just, just for, for Yusuf's journey. Dr. Congratulations. Yusuf Salam as well. He also has a PhD, right. so he's Dr. Yusuf Salam. He, he was a, a direct result of Hillary Clinton's super predators uh, statements. Right. Him and the other four were a direct result of that. These are the people who Donald Trump took out a full-page ad to mm-hmm. have them murdered, innocent kids who had been tortured into confessions of crimes that they had not committed, children. With a you know, and watching, uh, murder. right, and and seeing uh, Ava Duvernay's Duvernay's uh, short special she had on Netflix, where was uh, what was it called? When they see I don't us, I recall the name of it. Sorry, yeah, I, when I they think see it was us. When, 
Yes. Yeah, when they see us. And Yusuf wasn't even one of the suspects. He went down there in support of a friend, and he could have left to go home, but he felt as though he was going to be in trouble for leaving his friend at the station. And he wound up staying, and that's how he wound up getting charged. That he wasn't even in the park when any of this stuff happened, this so-called night of wilding and everything. They did to him what they're trying to do to my own son right now. Right. Just frame him for everything. You know, also in New York, uh, at Rikers Island, the place where it costs $556,000 a year to incarcerate one single person per year, Rikers Island. That Rikers Island that is known across the globe as a hell on earth, the place where they murdered Khalif Browder, uh, not directly, but certainly indirectly. Uh, right. Uh, clubs and the gladiator things going on there. Uh, well, just recently, the federal monitor overseeing New York City jails recommends to a federal judge that she should hold the city in contempt for failing to comply with the court's orders to combat violence because the violence is overwhelming in there. And also, you know what else is overwhelming? The number of black people in Rikers Island. I think it's over 90% of the population right. of Rikers Island right now is black in a place where they only make up 17% of the... She said, in the recommendation to the U.S. District Judge Laura Taylor Swain, Federal Monitor Steve Martin and Deputy Monitor Anna Friedberg conclude the jails are in no better shape than they were eight years ago when the city agreed to court oversight. And the city's year-old action plan to fix the jails has failed. The monitoring team recommends that the court initiate contempt proceedings in order to coerce compliance by the city, department, and the commissioner. The federal monitor team wrote in a 245-page report issued Monday referring to corrections commissioner Louis Molina. Like, you, you just, you're making all this damn money. All of this money, billions of dollars coming in through your freaking slavery operation you're going on going on in a pre-trial detention center, and you can't fix none of it. It's still the worst conditions possible. People still murder, death, killing each other left and right, and there's not enough people to oversee them there. And these are people who are there that are innocent until what? Proven guilty. Right. Most of them are in there because they can't pay your Eighth Amendment violation fines and fees. So your bail is just too high, like it was with Khalif. New York. You know, right on top of that, Max, I'm glad you brought that up, because we know we just passed by the 4th of July, and we always, we always want to point people to Frederick Douglass' famous speech, the meaning of, the, of July 4th for the Negro. And within that speech, he said, go where you may, search where you will, roam through all the monarchies and despotisms of the old world, travel through South America, search out every abuse, and when you have found the last, lay your facts side by side of the everyday practices of this nation, and you will say with me, 
that for revolting barbarity and shameless hypocrisy, America reigns without a rival. Without a rival. Um, for sheer barbarity. Look everywhere you want to look. And when you're all satisfied with all the looking, come back to America and you'll see that she is the king or the queen of crimes against humanity right here in America. Not just yesterday, today too. Today. Today too. We kill more people, kill more people than like 30 other countries combined. P- places like Germany might kill a uh, 10 or 15 people in a year How many we kill? 1,200, 1,400 Every year Right Like how many lives Need to be lost Before you recognize a genocide or does, Do they have to all be killed At the same time for you to call it a genocide Or can you kill like 1,000 today 1,000 tomorrow You know, How does it work for you To define a genocide Because that's what we're talking about right here a legal genocide, legal slavery happening in a nation that defines itself as what? The land of the free. With yeah. the largest prison population that has ever existed in the known universe. In where? The land of the free. Mm-hmm. Well, we, we got, got one, one more track. racist rant, Max. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we want to we give you an example of what our day-to-day lives are like. You know, as black people Uh, So this is a message That was sent to Dr. Jason Nichols People just think they can say Whatever they want to say to you And put it on recordings And leave it in your life And this is how many in the United States Think about us So you're going to listen to a rant Against Dr. Jason Nichols And it's going to be followed by Buddy Black 2 You're listening to Abolition Today AbolitionToday.org With Max Parthas and Yusuf Hassan and we'll be right back after this. Abolition. Abolition. Yes, but Jake and uh, Jason Nicholas, I've been listening to him on Fox. So. You people cannot live in a civilized society because you're f***ing primates and you're uncivilized. You know, you people are disgusting. You don't belong here. To listen, press zero. To delete, press star D. Press the pound sign. You know, you belong in the in Africa where all the jungle jungle monkeys are. So what are you that stupid? You can't even fucking get out of the ghetto. You love it because you like to do your drugs. You like to live in filth. Let's face it, that's who you are. Put your fucking drugs out. Stop stealing from me uh, as a white person. Fifty years of affirmative action. I couldn't, yeah, I couldn't get a job because of you fucking niggas. The white people have given you everything with a silver spoon, you know, and, and you can't even, you can't, you can't even get out of the fucking ghetto. All you do is kill each other. You should be kneeling for the security people who help the fucking athletes, who, who protect them. That's who you should be kneeling for. The policemen who sit there and protect these fucking piece of shit athletes. You're disgusting as a race. You really are. And if I were a black, I'd be so fucking humiliated and embarrassed. That sound about right. Uh huh. Yeah. No, you ain't. You ain't never tell a lie. You ain't told a lie. Yeah. 
Everybody wanna be an athlete. Everybody wanna rap on beat. Everybody wanna eat watermelon and fried chicken. Sorry, it's the black thing. Everybody wanna hit after me. Watch your back, cause they got to me. Got different women up in my living room trying to measure my dick. Maybe it's the black thing. Don't subtweet at me. We was taking freestyles in the backseat. We was ditching classrooms, taking gladly. We were buying sale drugs in the alley. Yeah, finally got a pot of competition. Working overtime and you can tell us the difference. I don't wanna find no divine division. I be getting high, nigga, it's the black thing. Black shots to Shinaki. I be doing new shit for the copy. The debauchery. Go ahead, then watch me, nigga. Don't watch TV. You can get it all on CD. Vinyl with time beside you. Every time you have my recital, I will serve you like appetizers. You should know, nigga, I'm your idol. I'm your idol now. Up in the west, pound and jigger. Everybody wanna be black, don't nobody wanna be a nigga. Uh, feel like Malcolm X, peeking outside my window. Everybody wanna be black, but don't nobody wanna be a nigga. Uh, everybody tryna get dressed and shit, but they ain't African. All the light girls getting the tan so they can darken their skin. I'm sorry, it's a black thing. I don't give a fuck, yeah, I said the shit. Everybody wanna design something for Louis Vuitton, baby, it's the black thing Blacked out in the backseat of the black Jeep, listening to black Bobby You can catch me a taste of soul, eating on gumbo with the black IP Yeah, black on, black on, black nigga, I'm back on, back on track, my shit black owned If you ain't a nigga, you can't say nigga, it's the black thing Right glee, do the right thing, don't step on my Nikes, just got these Go roll for the neck piece, nigga, you up in my white tee Or you wanna be just like me, huh, till the police wanna lock me up Step you on creep, black F.O. What it's gon' be, nigga, what it's gon' be, you can ask about me Grew up in the West, Papa Dog Pound and Jigger Everybody wanna be black, don't nobody wanna be a nigga uh. Feel like Malcolm X, peeking outside my window Everybody wanna be black, but don't nobody wanna be a nigga uh. Yeah, so you just heard a racist rant against uh, Dr. Jason Nichols, the black man on Fox News, and as you could tell, she called in several times. She 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 didn't just say it in one clip. She kept calling back to keep saying, "You people, primates, jungle monkeys," you know. White Niggas. people have given you everything. Yeah, she just really went off. And just like uh, Buddy with Black 2 just said, everybody wants to be black. Nobody wants everybody to be black. Everybody wants to be black until it's really time to be black. Yeah. It's been a hard show for me, man, you know, um, because it's such a clear concise reminder of what my children do are dealing with and what my grandchildren right. have to deal with coming up unless something is done now. How many centuries do we have to wait before we're the main event? Before What's happening to black people in America is this issue that we all get on board for. But it just doesn't seem like it's ever going to happen unless we're the ones that make it happen. Otherwise, we'll have to deal with statistics that would cause other nations to declare war on whoever was doing it to them. How would you like 
as a person who is not black to explain to your sons that one in three of them are expected to go to prison? How would you like to have to give every child you raise up the talk? And it's not the talk about the birds and the bees. It's the talk about how not to die by police. How do you stay alive when policemen come up on you who infest your neighborhood in an occupied army? How do you survive that? You have to explain that to your children. How would you like to do that? Because it ain't nice. It doesn't feel good. It's What did James Baldwin say? That um, to be black in America, to be in a constant fit of rage or something like that? Yeah, to be black and relatively conscious in America is to be in a constant state of rage. So I, I have to breathe because that's where this has put me right now, knowing that these things not only have happened, they continue to happen, and we got people like the vice president saying, I ain't going to do nothing for just black people. You got to get on the boat with everybody else. I got people calling me a person of color and erasing my existence altogether, uh, you know, on a regular basis. And I got others telling me that in order for us to get freedom and equality, we have to appeal to another group whose problems don't fucking fit the same as ours. Breathe. Or let it out. You know? Yeah. That motherfucker's got the nerve to come on my social media pages talking about how I purposely try to avoid showing what Negroes are doing. And they're the criminals, but I don't show them. And that's upsetting. That's suspect. That because I don't get on the Fox News bandwagon and say, look at all these little Willie Hortons running around here. Hmm. Gotta be ashamed of yourselves, man. That it's like I mean, like at some point you have to say, you know, you're right. It's been 400 years, and they're still slaves. They're still subject to involuntary servitude. They're still being shut out of every industry. They're still being oppressed and abused and exploited. And maybe we should all get on their side till their problem is solved, and then we can go ahead and do ours too. But no, it's a race to the end. And it's always some kind of oppression Olympics happening. Always. You got to compare it. Like Ari Moeller or whatever the hell his name on MSNBC uh, with his straight only bathroom commentary, you know, and comparing uh, what's happening now with what happened during the Jim Crow period. Like, oh, my God. this is. Ann Coulter said it. I don't need to say it no more. Yusuf. We're coming up on the end of the program. We've got about three, four minutes left. Um, yeah, for any sure. final commentary you want to you want to make? We hit it all, man. I mean, we didn't hit it all, but we definitely let out the frustration. Some of it. Some I, of it. I want, so I want to read a quote from Henry Highland Gardner. He said, yes, "Please, in every man's mind." the good seeds of liberty or planet. And he who brings his fellow down so low as to make him contented with a condition of slavery commits the highest crime against God and man. All right. Mm. That's all I got to say. We, we, can, we can end it with that. 
<laughs> we want to thank our sponsors. Yeah, because I mean, that that puts the cap on it right there. You know, so we just want to thank our sponsors and our partners, Jailhouse Lawyers Speak, the I Am We Ubuntu Prison Advocacy Network, Samer Urge, Quakers Uplifting Racial Justice, the Paul Cuffey Abolitionist Center, Prismatic Dreams, and the Abolished Slavery National Network. Remember to subscribe to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash abolition today, and our Facebook page, Abolition Today. Oh, and also our Twitter page, Abolition Today One, on Twitter. And remember, we're available on all major podcast platforms, as well as you can catch our archives on abolitiontoday.org. Follow the ASNN at Abolition Today, or I'm sorry, Abolition Nation on Twitter. I believe it's Abolition Nation on all on all social media on Facebook, it's just Abolition or the Abolished Slavery National Network. Uh, I've already given the announcement, but just a reminder that we have the Be Frank for Justice. They're having the 85 to Stay Alive rally Tuesday at uh, 10 a.m., Capitol Building, Austin, Texas. So make sure you come out for that. We'll have a really good bridging the gap tonight. It comes from Kenyatta Doc Smither Sr. He's on YouTube at King W L R O A M. King W L Rome. He'll be reading a Frederick Douglass speech from 1853 entitled Aliens in Our Native Land. And this is going to be followed up don't, by. Don't, don't even tell him what's going to be followed by. Don't, don't. Oh, yeah, we ain't going to tell him. Just not not what in. the song is. Let them just hear it. Because if you don't know this yeah. song, I don't know where they, what planet you from. <laughs> right, right. But this has been the blackout, and I guess we're going to turn the lights back on next week. <laughs> but this was the black episode, and it was needed to be done. We thank you for tuning in. Come back next week. We'll be back next Sunday, July 23rd, God willing, with another master class on slavery abolition. So until next week, think about abolition today. Peace and blessings be upon you all. Peace. Abolition. Abolition. Aliens are we in our native land. A speech by Frederick Douglass. In 1853, the Hungarians, the Italians, the Irishmen, the Jew and the Gentile are find in this goodly land a home. For these people, the Americans have principles of justice, maxims of mercy. Sentiments of religion and feelings of brotherhood in abundance. But for my poor people, alas, how poor, enslaved, scolded, blasted, overwhelmed, and ruined, it would appear that America had neither justice, mercy, nor religion. 
She has no scales in which to weigh our wrong. And no standards by which to measure our right. Just here lies the difficulty of the colored man's call. It is found in the fact that we may not avail ourselves of the just force of admitted American principles. If I do not misinterpret the feelings and philosophy of my white fellow countrymen generally, they wish us to understand distinctly and fully that they have no other use for us whatever than to coin dollars out of our blood. We are a hopeful people, and in this we are fortunate. But for this trait in our character, we should long before this have sunk down under a sense of utter despair. Look at it. Here upon the soil of our birth, in a country which has known us for two centuries, among a people who did not wait for us to seek them, but who sought us, found us, and brought us to their own chosen land. A people for whom we have performed the humblest service and whose greatest comforts and luxuries have been won from soil by our sinewy arms. Among such a people, and with such obvious recommendations of favor, we are far less esteemed than the various stranger and sojourner. Alien are we in our native land.
Abolition After Day. Negro. No, no Negro spoken here. Oh. If we'd known you all were going to be this much trouble, we would have picked our own fucking cotton.